He shed blood when he was beaten and whipped. He shed blood when they put the crown of thorns on his head. And finally, he shed blood at the cross. Every place where Jesus shed blood, it has a specific benefit for us. And it's important tonight to realize Jesus' blood was shed for every area of our lives. Now tell yourself, every area. Any area of need or suffering in our life is covered by the blood of Jesus. Can you say, thank you, Jesus? It was shed for our forgiveness, for our healing, for our minds, for our emotions, for our needs, even our financial needs, everything. Now tell somebody this tonight, there's power in the blood for you. Everything changed for the better when Jesus shed his blood. That's why it's called Good Friday. When Jesus died on that Friday, Good Friday was Good Friday because Jesus shed his blood and everything changed for the better. And we're going to begin by just laying a foundation for the rest of the series. And in the following messages, we're going to look at the specific places where Jesus shed blood and the power of God that is released through his blood for our freedom. Now tonight, first of all, I want us to consider that the blood of Jesus is precious. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19 says, knowing, we need to know this tonight. I want you to tell yourself, I need to know this knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. It is so important for us to remember this. We should never get so used to being Christian that we forget how it all began. The Bible says, and Jesus said in John 12, verse 32 and 33, and if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. This he said, signifying by what death he would die. Jesus knew that he was going to be lifted up on the cross, and he said, when, if I am lifted up on the cross, uh, I'm going to draw all peoples to myself. We should never take for granted what Jesus did for us. His blood is precious. Now, there was a missionary in a Muslim nation. He had been witnessing to an old Muslim man about Jesus, and this man had become the friend of the missionary, and he would take him out on a boat at times and show him how he dove for pearls. The missionary tried to convince him of his need of Jesus, but the pearl diver wasn't interested because he could not believe that salvation, such a great gift, was free. He was going to take a journey to Mecca on his hands and knees, and it was a long trip, miles and miles, and he knew that he might die in the process. He invited the missionary over to his house before he left on his journey and brought out a small box. 
he unwrapped something inside it and showed the missionary the most beautiful pearl he had ever seen. He told the story of his son and how he had died to get that pearl. And then he said, I'm going to be leaving for Mecca tomorrow, and I might not see you again alive. I would like to give you this pearl as a token of our friendship. Uh, uh, he, the missionary, had been praying for a way to show this man the price Jesus had paid for his salvation and thought now he thought he had a way to impress the point on his friend. He said, you know, I, I can't accept this as a gift because it's so valuable to you, but I will pay whatever price you ask for it because it is so beautiful and I really have just got to have it. The old man was shaken. He was horrified. And he told him, see, this pearl is too costly to put a price on. Don't you understand? My son died to get it. The missionary then told him, don't you see? This is exactly what I've been trying to tell you all this time about Jesus and salvation. The price that God paid to save you is so valuable that no one could ever work hard enough to earn it. This is what is meant by the precious blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> the old man finally understood and was able to ask Christ into his heart. Tonight, the blood of Jesus is precious because it cleanses us. In 1 John 7 through 9, it says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of his, Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Twice in this portion of Scripture, it talks about the cleansing that comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, one of the worst consequences of sin is it makes us feel dirty. I went to high school, uh, and this was before I, I, I got saved after I got out of high school. And during my high school years, there was a girl that I went to high school with that told me one time that she uh, often took seven showers a day. You know why? Because she felt dirty. And it wasn't because she was rolling around in the dirt. It was because she was rolling around in the, ne never mind. Now, let me ask you tonight, do you remember how it was before you gave your life to Christ and how you felt before you got saved? There are some believers that still wrestle with guilt from their past. And that is why it is so important for us tonight to understand the power of the shed blood of Jesus and what is accomplished in us through it. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5 says some powerful words about Jesus. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Aren't you glad for that tonight? You know, it doesn't say, a lot of people think, you know, if I could just get myself together, if I could just straighten some things up, then I could come to church or I could get right, come and God will 
receive me. But the Bible doesn't say here uh, that he loved us uh, after, uh, after he washed us. Uh, it says he loved us uh, before he washed us. Loved us comes first. God loved us, uh, and because he loved us, he drew us to himself uh, so that we could receive him, and then he washed us. Hallelujah. You see, he loved us, and that prompted him to die on the cross, shed his blood for us, and as he shed his blood, it was for us for cleansing so that he could wash us. He loved us before he ever washed us, before we ever cleaned up. While we were still dirty in our sin, he loved us, and because he loved us, he drew us to himself and washed us. We needed a good washing. Some of us needed a power scrub, <laughs> didn't we? And that's exactly what the blood of Jesus was for. Washed us, cleansed us. Listen, we don't have to live with guilt. We should not live with guilt. His blood was shed to cleanse us. We can and should have a clean conscience. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12, man, I am liable to get happy tonight. <laughs> I am so glad the time is now for me to be able to say that I've been waiting for a while for tonight to come, and here it is. All right. Hebrews Hebrews 9, 12, and 14 says, Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Verse 14, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works, to serve the living God. Jesus paid an enormous price for our cleansing and forgiveness. Too great of a price for us to carry on guilt in our lives. And tonight we need to know that He loved us, He washed us, He cleansed us in His blood. The book of Hebrews reveals one of the greatest differences between the Old and New Testaments. Things are a whole lot better in the New Testament than the Old. I want to encourage you in your Bible reading. I think we ought to read in the Old Testament. I do read in the Old Testament. But I think that as believers, we ought to focus more on the New Testament than the Old. It's all good. It's all God's Word. But I'm telling you, New Testament, it gets a whole lot better. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 6 says, But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, talking about Jesus, inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant. Say better covenant. Which is established on better promises. Say better promises. In Matthew 26, verse 27 and 28, just before Jesus was taken and hung on the cross, he had the last supper with his disciples. He took the cup, gave thanks to them, and gave thanks, uh, gave it to them, and saying, drink from it, all of you. 
For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remissions of sins. At the Last Supper, Jesus was telling his disciples that everything was about to change for the better. Going to get better. That's what he was saying. Things, things are about, this is the, the new covenant. And in the new covenant, things are going to get better. Say better. Uh, better covenant, better promises. Now, some folks don't realize the significance of the separation between the Old Testament and New Testament. You see, the Bible, as it has been given to us, is New Testament, Old Testament in one book. But it's not like reading a long book, and because it's so long, it's divided into two parts, part one and part two. It isn't that way. It is divided between the Old Testament and New Testament. That word testament means covenant. It is the old covenant, the old agreement God had between him and man, and the New Testament or covenant or agreement between God and man. And in the New Covenant, it was about to get a whole lot better. In the Old Testament, animals were sacrificed for the sins of the people. But they were imperfect sacrifices because what they did was only cover sin. God's judgment came on Israel when they sinned and because of their sin. And when they offered sacrifices, their sins were covered and God's judgment would be averted. The problem was that even though their sin was covered, the people still felt guilty. But Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14 tells us Christ's blood was a superior sacrifice because it didn't merely cover our sins, it cleansed them. Hebrews 9 14 again says, how much more, say much more, shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God cleanse your conscience, say my conscience, from dead works to serve the living God. See, this is something we have got to get tonight. Jesus' blood didn't simply cover over our sins, it cleansed them. You and I tonight as God's blood-bought people can and should live with a clean conscience. Now I'm going to pause for just a moment here and we're going to have a, a time just to, just to pray, and because I don't want to go on and, and, and lose the, the significance of this point. I want us to pray together, and if you just bow your head, close your eyes. There are those here that maybe you've given your life to Christ, but there are still things that you feel guilty of that happened in the past. You've, you've asked God to forgive you. Can I tell you something? Jesus' blood that was shed 2,000 years ago forgave, and not only forgave, but God says they are forgotten. He forgot them. The problem is sometimes we remember and the, the devil accuses us. Maybe you're here and you've got some, some things from the past and the baggage and guilt from the past, and I want to declare to you 
freedom in the blood of Jesus. Maybe you're here tonight, maybe you've never given your life to Christ, and, and you've never asked Jesus to forgive you or come into your heart. And I want to ask you tonight to make a decision for Jesus. He shed his blood. He loved you so much that he died for you and for me. He loved us, and he washed us with his blood. And tonight, maybe you're here. And, and just as nobody's looking around, if you're here, you've never given your life to Christ, or you've been away from him for a time, and tonight you say, you know what, I need the blood of Jesus to forgive me and to cleanse me. You've never given your life to Christ or you've been away from him for some time. You just, uh, as no one's looking around, just raise your hand up where you're sitting where I could see it and know to include you in this prayer. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. There are others tonight that you have been carrying baggage from your past, and tonight we're going to pray, and, and as we pray, we're going to pray the power of the blood of Jesus to be realized in every one of our lives so that we can lay down that guilt, that condemnation, and that feeling of inferiority. Tonight, let's do that. I want you to just pray this out with me. Jesus, thank you for loving me, dying on the cross for my sins. I believe that because your blood was shed, I am washed. I am clean. Cleanse me clean by the blood that you have shed. I thank you tonight for your forgiveness and for breaking the power of guilt over my life. Your blood has set me free in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's thank him tonight, would you? Just give him a clap offering to thank him. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. His blood cleanses us, first of all, and then secondly, his blood is precious because it reconciles us. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 20, it says, and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Now, this word reconciled, I looked it up, Vine's Dictionary in New Testament words, and it says that to reconcile means to change from enmity to friendship or to reconcile. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't really appreciate definitions that are the same, like, you know, the last part. I should have just left that out, but as I was going over my notes, I saw it was still there. To reconcile means to reconcile. <laughs> that doesn't help me very much. <laughs> but that part, to change from enmity to friendship. The problem sometimes with definitions are they use words that we are not real familiar with either. And so I looked up that word enmity, and enmity means a feeling or a condition uh, of hostility, hatred, ill will, animosity, antagonism. And so here's the point tonight. God does not have a feeling or a condition of hostility toward us. 
He does not hate us. He loves us. He does not have ill will, but goodwill. That's why when Jesus was born, they said goodwill toward men, not ill will, goodwill. He does not uh, have a feeling of animosity toward us. He does not have antagonism toward us. Why? Because the blood of Jesus was shed to reconcile us. And because of the blood of Jesus, we have peace with God. If you've given your life to Christ, His blood has cleansed and reconciled you. And that means God isn't mad at you anymore. Now, I want you to tell yourself, God isn't mad at me. Now, look at somebody else and say, God isn't mad at you. And see, when we, when we have peace with God, we can begin to have peace with ourselves. I appreciate this because one of the most dramatic changes in my life after I got saved was experiencing God's peace. Uh, anybody who's ever heard me teach or preach has heard me tell stories about my childhood. I was raised in such a good home with loving parents. Uh, all of my needs were taken care of. But you know what? The devil is a liar. And he is a thief and a robber. And from the time I was in like first grade, I carried around uh, uh, anxiety and a lack of peace, uh, a feeling of fear. And uh, a lot of it was because of my first grade teacher, Ophelia Smith. She, uh, uh, God love her, I pray, I pray she repented. This woman was demonized, and she tormented first grade, poor little first grader, poor little Alec Wilson, <laughs> poor little kid. She did, she was, never mind, demonized. And because of that, it really did. It messed up a whole bunch of kids, including me. And, and at 6.30 in the morning, I would be dressed, ready for school, and pacing the floor in my parents' house in the kitchen, back and forth, worried about school that day. Now, it wouldn't have been so bad if that had uh, just been that school year, but that thing, uh, Satan used it to, uh, to grip me with a spirit of fear and anxiety that stayed with me until I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And after I got saved when I was 19 years old, I experienced the reality of being forgiven, cleansed, reconciled to God, and the peace of God began to come in on my life. Praise God. Now, I'd be lying to you to say that I've never had a worry or care or a sense of fear at any time since then. I have experienced that at times, but I can testify, and I will testify tonight. It is not a, pri a priority. It is not a, a, an experience uh, uh, that I go through daily on a day-by-day -day occurrence as I used to. Jesus set me free. When I feel anxious or afraid, I cry out to God, and you know what? He breaks the power of that thing. Thank God. Because He reconciles us, we have peace with God, and can begin to have peace with each other. Because we've been reconciled, we can come to God boldly. Hebrews chapter 10, 19 through 22 says, Therefore, brethren, 
having boldness. Somebody say boldness. To enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. One of the most important truths we can know about God tonight is he wants us close. Being reconciled means that we can get close to God. We can come to God boldly. In Ephesians 2 verse 13 it says, But now in Christ Jesus you who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Thank God for that. We were far away. We felt far away. But because Jesus shed his blood when we receive him, we who were far off were brought near. God isn't content tonight for us to be distant friends. He wants us close. That's why Jesus said, if I am lifted up, I'll draw men to me. I'll draw them close because God wants to be have us close to him. You know, this is one of the greatest revelations we can have is that God wants us close. It's, it's that revelation that we can come boldly to him. We don't have to be afraid about God or afraid of his presence. We can boldly come in even when we've messed up, especially when we messed up. We can come before him. We don't need to uh, have God at arm's length. God's not ha- holding his arm out and holding us away. Oh, he shed his blood. Jesus shed his blood to draw us close. And if we failed, when we fail, We need to know we can come. When we're going through things that are hard on us and we feel like, man, where is God? God's saying, I'm right here. I'm close. And we come into his presence and receive help for whatever we need. Listen, if we allow guilt, condemnation, or inferiority to keep us at arm's length from God, we are diminishing the power of Jesus' blood. And none of us should ever do that. We need to know his blood was shed so that we could be brought close. God wants us close. Aren't you glad for that? If we don't have this understanding about our ability to come boldly to him, then you know what? We're missing out on a lot of the feel good in life. You know, I do feel pretty good in life now. I got to tell you, (laughs) I think some of you are probably picking that up tonight. I'm not all, I don't go on a, on a constant natural high. I do have some low times in my life and, and all, but I will say, you know, I, overall in my life, I feel pretty good. Why? Because I've been bought by the blood. I've been forgiven. I've been brought near. And I know that, it, that no matter what is going on in or around my life, I can come before my Father in heaven. You can come. Be- See, some of you are thinking, well, that's easy for you to say you're a pastor. But listen, it isn't my pastorship that gives me ability to come boldly before the throne. It isn't because I've lived a good life for some 43 years uh, now, and I have lived a fairly good life, but I would be lying 
lying to say I've never messed up. I still mess up every once in a while. But I'm glad to say tonight that because of the power of the blood, we can come boldly into his presence and you and I can experience the feeling of freedom that feel good in life because Jesus shed his blood. Praise God. Give me a few more minutes. Finally tonight, the blood of Jesus is powerful. It's powerful. It's through Jesus' blood that we have the power to overcome. Revelation 12, verse 10 and 11 says, Then I heard a loud voice from heaven. Now, somebody say now. Salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, talking about the devil, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. And they, God's people, overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Tonight, God never intended us to live a defeated life. Too many of God's people and myself at times have lived far beneath the, uh, the, uh, the privileges that have been purchased through His blood. And this is why we have to gain understanding of the power of Jesus' blood. Otherwise, we will continue to experience defeat in areas of our life where God wants us to have victory. We aren't meant merely to receive forgiveness of sins. We're meant to receive power over them. Not just to be cleansed from sin, not just to be reconciled to God, but you know what? It'll change our lives. The blood of Jesus Christ was shed to give us power over sin. Say over sin. Romans 6, verse 14 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law but under grace. Titus chapter 11, verse 12 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present Age. You see, the power of the blood of Jesus Christ releases God's grace into our lives, and that grace is the power to where we can begin to say no to ungodliness, worldly passions, and begin to live a life that's different, self-control. Who would have ever thought that you and I would be able to live a life with some kind of self-control? Before I got saved, I lived an un, unbridled life. It was just free fall. But I'm telling you, his blood makes a difference. It not only forgives us, but it gives us the ability to begin to say, no, I am not going to be that person I used to be. I'm not going to be that man. I'm not going to be that woman that I used to be. I'm not going to be an untrue person. I am not going to be an unclean and live my life just any old which way and just rolling around wherever I roll. I'm going to enroll and other things of rolling, you know what I mean? And all of that, I have the ability through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and his power to say no 
It's a revelation to some of us. It was to me. After I got saved, there was a revelation that I could say no to drugs. I could say no to drinking. I didn't have to live as an addict. I didn't have to live as a drunkard. I could say no. And you know what? Jesus' blood is powerful enough to give us the ability to just say no. And what, whatever, whatever that area is, we can say and learn and walk in the freedom to say no. Praise God. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. He didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. It is finished. Everything that needed to be done for us to be forgiven, cleansed, reconciled, brought near to God, and then have the power and the ability to walk in a new life was accomplished when Jesus died on the cross. You know why? Because there is power in the blood. I want you to hear it again tonight. There is power in the blood. There are those here that maybe you've been wrestling with something in your life and you feel like, well, it just is what it is and I guess I'll never have freedom over this. And I want you to know that is a lie from hell and Jesus' blood was shed to give us power to say no. I know that there are Christians all over that wrestle with stuff. And I'm not, I'm not preaching uh, tonight that all of us are going to just live uh, perfect lives and never make a mistake ever again. But what I am saying is that we can have power in our lives where we don't have to live those uh, same old lives that we used to because there is power in the blood. It isn't just about your willpower. It isn't about our willpower. It's about God's will, His will, both to will and to do in us for His good pleasure. Jesus' blood was shed so that we can make a decision and say yes to Jesus. And when we say yes to Jesus, His power, His will is engaged in our life because there is power in the blood. There's power in the blood. And we should never diminish the power of Jesus' blood that was shed for you and me. Can you say amen? amen? I want you to say it tonight. There is power in the blood for me. Amen. Let's bow our heads tonight. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Tonight we're going to close with a word of prayer. And I just want to lead you in a prayer and confession. I want you just all to just pray this out with me. Jesus, thank you for reconciling me to the Father. I will boldly come before my heavenly Father knowing that he wants me close. Thank you for making me an overcomer in life. Thank you for the power of your blood for me. In your name, the name of Jesus, amen.
Would you give God praise and thank Him? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for it. Praise God. There's power in the blood. Now, next Wednesday night, I'm going to begin to talk about the, the specific places where Jesus shed blood.